Good morning. Uh, I'm Smiley, and uh, I know you were expecting Dave. Sorry, uh, it's, uh, Dave's not feeling well, and I get to take his place, so Happy New Year. Hey, do you know what a New Year's resolution is? A New Year's resolution is something that goes in one year and out the next. Okay, okay, okay. That was a little corny. Uh, one more, and then we'll move on. One more. What city, what city has the best New Year's celebration? What city? New York? No, no, not New York. I think New York's way overrated that every year they drop the ball. Okay, okay, I'll stop, I'll stop. Uh, before we open God's word together today, uh, let's pray. Good morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are here to thank you for uh, taking good care of us in the past year and keeping us safe and we're so excited about beginning this new year with you. What better way to start a new, new year than with you? And, and we do pray that your Holy Spirit would fall fresh on us so that today on this first Sunday and throughout this year, we would grow. Holy Spirit, help us to grow in our love for Jesus this year, to grow in our love for one another this year, to grow in our love for lost people this year. Help us. Lord, we pray as we open your word together today that you would forgive the one who, who speaks for sins are many and help us to see Jesus. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I'm going to start by reading from the book of Colossians chapter 1. Starting in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. Now, this is the first Sunday of the year, and for those who are familiar, we have our study for January. It is our disciple-making tool. Love for you to pick it up and take it with you. If you're new, this really is our disciple-making tool, and uh, if you would open it up to the first page, you'll see our purpose as a church. It says very clearly that our purpose is to make disciples together. Would you say that with me? It's to make disciples together. And so we've asked the question, well, what is a disciple? And we said a disciple is a follower of Jesus. And we said, what does that look like? And we said disciples have three great loves, that a disciple loves Jesus. How's your love for Jesus? Don't you want it to grow this year? And then a disciple loves one another. How's your love for one another? Wouldn't you like it to grow this year? And our dis uh, disciple loves the lost. Wouldn't you love to grow in your love for your neighbors? Wouldn't you? So that's what our purpose is. And then as you open it up to the next page, there is a disciple-making map. We want to help you be a disciple and help you be a disciple-maker. And so this lays out how you can disciple someone, how you can be one and make one. That it starts when we win the lost, and then we build the believer, and then we equip the worker, 
and then we multiply disciple makers, it, it's laid out here so that you can be and make disciples. And then if you turn a couple pages, you'll see about the Good News app. We'll learn more about that next Sunday. And then as we turn the page, it shows you where we're going for the month. And then we come to a page that looks like this, that is our church budget. Um, so we thought it would be worth taking a moment to look back on 2021 and see what happened in 2021. And so in 2021, we saw um, 87 people profess faith in Christ. We saw 87 people profess faith in Christ. And we had 21, 21 people who had a chance to win a friend of faith in Christ. So we're thankful for the fruit we saw in 2021. When it comes to our giving in 2021, our giving was uh, about $2,750,000 was given at Good News Church. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for, for being generous, and, and your giving helped us to make disciples both here and around the world because you gave. We were able to help plant 14 churches, to help plant 14 churches around the world. We were able to invest over $328,000 into church planting. That money came from 13% of all the giving, plus some designated gifts that enable us to, to make disciples both here and around the world. Uh, and, and I want to thank you for that. So we're very, very thankful. And this just shows you what our budget will be for the coming year. And, and each of us can play a part in meeting that. But we wanted you to know that the leadership of our church is very thankful for the, um, for the fruit that we've borne. But we want to bear more fruit. So we're really excited about something that's starting. Actually, it'll be starting tomorrow. So I, I want to read you something, and you can get a copy of this. They're on the table in the back of the room, but it shows you how the leadership of our church wants to bear more fruit. There has never been a better time for the church to be the church. The leaders of Good News Church, its pastors and its elders, are excited to lead the church forward in making disciples together. Because the opportunity is so great and our conviction regarding our purpose so strong, we are embarking on a strategic planning process with the desire to become more effective in making disciples together. The Bible teaches that without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. That's Proverbs 15, 22. Therefore, we ask Dr. Scott Roden, Chief Strategy Officer of the Focus Group, to assist us. Dr. Roden has over 20 years experience in this work, and we're confident he will guide us toward a great outcome. A team made up of pastors, elders, staff, and members is working together on this project beginning this month, January 2022. These leaders will bring a variety of insights from the congregation into the process. Please pray for this team and for the planning process. We plan to complete this process by May 2022. We believe that the best days for Good News Church are ahead. Thank you for your prayers and your partnership in the gospel. Just a, you can pick up a copy of what we're doing. It has a name. It has the names of all the team members on the back. Really encourage you to grab one and be praying for us as we start tomorrow, and it works through June. That's what we're doing as a church to bear more fruit. But what would Jesus have you to do in this year? I mean, we had 21 people last year, 21 people who led someone to faith in Christ. What if we double that? That would be 42. What if, we what if there were 63 people wouldn't you like to be one of them? Maybe that's what Jesus is calling you to do, to say, Lord, I would really love to win one person to Christ this year. 
Or maybe for you, you could invite someone to follow Jesus with you, to invite someone to follow Jesus with you and really begin to disciple them. Or, or maybe this is the year that you would really like to, to, to lead a small group to make room for new people. What step is Jesus calling you to make in this new year? To help you in that, in here we have laid out a reading through the New Testament plan like we do every year. The reason we do that every year is so that when you lead someone to faith in Christ, like I had the opportunity last year, I got a chance to invite him to read through the New Testament with me. And he finished reading through the New Testament, came to faith in Christ in January, and has read through the New Testament. You can invite others. And if you'd like more from that, there's a plan in here to read through the Bible in the year. And many of our members have been doing that, and you could do that as well. And then to help you be a disciple and make disciples, where we're going this year is we're going to walk through the book of Colossians, like I just read to you, and then we're going to walk through Malachi, a New Testament verse and an Old Testament, uh, a New Testament, an Old Testament book. And the theme, the reason we picked them out, it's the same. The theme is keep your eyes on Jesus. With all the craziness going on in our culture, we thought it would be really good to, to do a couple of books that would encourage us to keep our eyes on Jesus. So if you'd like to know Jesus better, if you'd like to really become a disciple and disciple maker, it's going to be a great time in worship and small group as we walk through Colossians and Malachi together. And so since we're starting out with, um, with Colossians, there's some questions to kind of introduce us to the book. The first question is, who's the author? And the author of Colossians is the Apostle Paul. And we see that in verse 1, don't we? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. <laughs> You know, Paul knew that Jesus seeks and saves the lost because Paul wasn't searching for God. Paul was, uh, Jesus was seeking Paul. Jesus sought him and Jesus saved him. Not only did he save him, but he made him an apostle. Listen, we're all called to be disciples and disciple makers. We're not all apostles. The apostles, they were eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ. Paul was an eyewitness of Jesus. And the apostles and the prophets wrote for us the New Testament, the foundation, the foundation of the church. We're built on the foundation that the apostles and the prophets gave to us. So the author, the author of the book we're starting in is Paul, an apostle. And who are the recipients? The recipients, notice, he wrote it to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ. This letter was written to the church in Colossae. The church in Colossae, that's who it's written to. And uh, what was the date and, and what was the occasion? When was it written? Um, this book was written in about 60 or 62 AD, about 30 years after Jesus rose and ascended into heaven. Uh, it's kind of an unusual book in that the Apostle Paul did not plant this church. He didn't plant this church. We can see that in chapter 2 of this book, verse 1. Uh, in chapter 2, verse 1, we read, For I want you to know... How great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea and for all those who have not personally seen my face. So Paul didn't plant this church. So how did he end up writing this letter? Well, well let me show you a map. Let me show you a map. And on this map, you can see Colossae. You see Colossae, it's kind of right in the middle of, of what we consider uh, Turkey today. Paul never went there. But if you look west of that, if you look west of that, you'll see Ephesus. In about 55 AD, Paul spent three years in Ephesus. He spent three years there planting a church. And during that time, it's believed that Epaphras, who was from Colossae, went to Ephesus, heard the gospel, was one to faith in Christ, and was discipled. And then he went back to Colossae. He went back to Colossae and planted the church. 
in, in the mid-50s, about 55 A.D., okay? Now it's about five or seven years later. Now the Apostle Paul is in, is in prison in Rome. We read about that in Acts 28. And Epaphras has traveled to Rome to tell Paul what's happened in the church in Colossae, how it's been infected by false teaching. And um, that's why Paul is writing this letter. Paul is writing this letter to correct, to correct the false teaching that's going on in uh, Colossae. And what Paul is going to say throughout the letters is keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't get distracted from Jesus. Don't get distracted. And in particular today, in particular today, the point of today's message that we're going to explore is that the gospel is good news, right? The gospel is good news. Never forget the good news of the gospel. So <clears throat> what is the gospel? I mean, good news, we love the gospel here, and the gospel is that Jesus seeks and saves the lost, isn't it? That's the core message that the Bible teaches. It's what we believe, it's what we cherish, right? In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, don't we see this? For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Though gospel means good news, it has some bad news, and the bad news of the gospel is our sin. The Bible says that we've all sinned against God. We've sinned against God in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds, over and over again. We've sinned against God. Sin is very personal. And because we've sinned against God, we're in big trouble. The Bible says what we deserve for our sin is hell itself, which is separation from God and from all good things. That's what the Bible means when it says that we're lost. We're lost. We've sinned against God. We can't save ourselves. We're in big trouble Ready for some good news? Here it is. The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. I mean, have you ever been lost? Man, I haven't. Wouldn't it be great to know if we were lost, someone knew we were lost and someone was searching for us and wanted to come and save us? That's exactly what Jesus did. He knew we were lost. He knew we'd never find our way to Him, so He came looking for us. So God the Son put on flesh and, and came to earth. Isn't that amazing? And He lived a perfect life for us. And then he went to the cross, and to save us, he took our sins upon himself, and he died in our place. He paid in full the penalty for our sins, and, and then he rose on the third day. His resurrection proves that he had conquered sin and death. And do you know what Jesus offers us? He offers us eternal life. He offers us the forgiveness of our sins and the opportunity to do life in eternity with Jesus. And, and how do we receive this gift? The verse that changed my life was Revelation 3.20. I love this verse. Listen, Jesus is speaking and he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. When I heard I could be forgiven, have you ever done anything wrong? Man, I sure have. When I heard that I could be forgiven, and then Jesus said, Hey, we can be friends. Let's do life and eternity together. Man, when I heard him knocking, I said, Come on in and be my Savior and Lord. I'm so glad I did. Have you? If you haven't, won't you? I mean, how do we receive Jesus as Savior and Lord? It, it starts when we admit, right? When we admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And if you've never done that, won't you do that even now? And then we believe. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose, won't you? And then we commit. That is, we invite Jesus to come in as Savior. And Lord Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. And I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've never done that, won't you? 
And if you have, did you hear what Jesus said? He said, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. To be a Christian is Jesus moves into us. And you know what happens when Jesus moves into us? When Jesus moves into us, we get everything. We get Jesus. And that's what Paul was teaching the church in Colossae, that when Jesus moves in, we get everything. And good news, we love to say that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Do you know what the false teachers were saying? They were saying Jesus is cool and all, and the gospel is cool, but there's more. And Paul was saying, no, no, the gospel is good news, that Jesus plus nothing equals everything, right? When we get Jesus, we get it all. There's nothing we need in addition to Jesus. And, and certainly the reverse of that is true as well. The reverse of that is true as well, and that is everything minus Jesus equals nothing. That if we have everything that the world offers, but we don't have Jesus, we have nothing. Isn't that true? Look at our culture. I mean, look at our country. Has there ever been a country so affluent with so much and yet self-destructing? Because if we have everything the world offers us, minus Jesus, we have nothing. So let's look at a little bit. Let's look at a little bit of what we get when we get Jesus. In our, in our study, when we lead someone to faith in Christ, on the disciple-making map, after we lead someone to faith in Christ, we want to help them answer some basic questions to learn from Jesus about our identity. Who am I? About community. Where do I belong? And then about purpose. Why am I here? And about hope. Where am I going? And we get all of this when we get Jesus. When we get Jesus, we get an identity. Right here in this passage. Don't you see that? Look at verse 2, to the saints and faithful brethren. Who am I? I'm a holy one. Who am I? I'm a child of God. I'm a brother of Jesus. Who am I, right? Who am I? I'm a Christian. When I get Jesus, I get an identity. It's so important for me to know that, but it's also important for me to know so that I can help those that I win to faith in Christ know that when we get Jesus, we get an identity. Don't we live in a culture where identity is a really big deal? It is a big deal. Who am I? Listen, if someone asked you, who are you, what would you say? Hmm? You know, if you ask me, smiley, who am I? I'm a Christian. I'm a disciple. I'm a follower of Jesus. Who am I? I'm a husband and a father and a grandfather and a, and a pastor, right? Who am I? When we get Jesus, we get an identity. We know who we are. Isn't that great? You know what we get? We get a community. We all long to belong somewhere, and we ask, well, where do I belong? Where do I belong? And we see that here. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, we belong to Jesus. <laughs> That's where we belong. We belong to his body. We belong in his church. Now, notice he wrote this to believers uh, who belonged to Jesus, but they lived in Colossae. One more time, they, they belonged to Jesus, they belonged to the church, but they lived in Colossae. And that's our identity. Listen, I belong to the church. We belong to the church. That's where we belong, but we live in America, right? People often say, well, Smiley, I just don't really feel like uh, that, that I fit in our culture anymore. And I said, that's good. We're not supposed to. We belong in the church. We live in America. And I want you to know, I love the church. I really do. And, and uh, I know we live in a culture where many people, they're really down on the church, but I love the church. It's not that I don't see your flaws. For every flaw you see in the church, I see 50. I really do. But you know why I love the church? It's the only place I can belong. 
Do you realize we live in a cancel culture, right? A cancel culture, and you know what that is. To live in a cancel culture, you have to be perfect. You have to be perfect. Listen, it doesn't matter how many good things you've done in our society, if you say one wrong thing, if you say one wrong thing, you get canceled. And you know what? There's no grace. There's no way back. I can't live in that environment. Listen, you know why I love the church? Because you have to admit you're rotten to belong. Every member of the church has said, I am so rotten. The only way God would ever let me have life with him is because of Jesus. That's where I belong, right? Listen, when we get Jesus, we get an identity. We're Christians. We get a community. Listen, uh, where do I belong in this church? You know what we get? We get a purpose, a purpose big enough to get up each day of our lives and be excited. I mean, why am I here? Why am I here? Do you know if we're Christians, we're here for others? I mean, you ever wonder why when we come to faith in Christ, we're just not beamed up? It's because Jesus has a purpose for us here on earth. So like in in verse 2, we belong to his church, but we're in Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God. Um, Now, what's going to be interesting in the next couple of weeks, we're going to see how Paul prays for the church. And what we're going to see this week, we're going to see in verses 3 through 8, Paul just thanks God. He thanks God for all that he's doing in the church. And then next week, next week we'll see how he prayed that God would do even more. A great pattern for us to combine in our prayers the giving of thanks and asking, right? We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. You see, the gospel was bearing fruit in their lives in Colossae. They were growing in love for one another. Is that true of us as well? Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world it is constantly bearing fruit. When the gospel is preached to believers, it bears fruit. When the gospel is preached to lost people, people are one to Christ. It is constantly bearing fruit and increasing. Christians are being changed by the gospel. Lost people hear the gospel and are one. That's why we're here on earth. Even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. We're here on earth to bear fruit for God's glory. And so people often say, well, Smiley, is is that bearing the fruit of the Spirit? Or is that bearing the fruit of winning people to Christ and making disciples? And the answer is, what? it's yes, right? It's, It's both. The gospel produces fruit in us as Christ is formed in us. The gospel produces fruit in us. And then the gospel produces fruit through us, that it goes out from us to others to lead others to faith in Christ. Let me show you that. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12, I I love this verse. Listen, this verse is so good. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So why did the Father, why did the Son send us to the, the spirit? Not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we might know the things freely given to us by God. The Holy Spirit loves to exalt Jesus Look at Jesus. When you get Jesus, you get it all. You get forgiveness. You get the chance to do life in eternity with Jesus. When you get Jesus, you get an identity. You get a community. You get a purpose. You get hope. You get it all, right? 
Oh, the Holy Spirit's been given to us so that we might know the things freely given to us by God. Isn't Jesus amazing? I mean, do you really realize that when we get Jesus, we get it all right? So the Holy Spirit loves to produce in us the fruit of the Spirit, right? In Galatians 5, verse 22, um, I want you to know this is really not a picture of me, but it's a picture of Jesus, isn't it? It's a picture of Jesus and how the Holy Spirit wants to form Jesus inside of all of us. As we hear the gospel, the Holy Spirit takes the gospel to form Christ in us. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. As we hear the gospel, the Holy Spirit forms Christ in us. We bear fruit through the gospel. We become more and more like Jesus. Look at the first three, love, joy, and peace. If we went to our neighbors and asked them, what do you really want in life? Wouldn't all of them list at least one of these three? I wouldn't be surprised if our neighbors listed those as the top three things that they want, love and joy and peace, right? And you know what? Listen, as as the Holy Spirit forms Christ in us and we overflow with love and joy and peace, as the gospel produces fruit in us, it will produce fruit through us because people will want what we have. Notice that the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. Wouldn't we stand out in our culture today if we were faithful? Like if, if we stayed married and, and we did what we said we would and, and we showed up for work each day, wouldn't we stand out? Wouldn't our bearing fruit in us give us opportunities to bear fruit through us? And that's what Paul was talking about when he said that he had heard about their love for one another. Remember what Jesus said in John 13? Listen, we live in a county where there's 200,000 lost people or more. And Jesus said they can make a decision about whether we're really disciples of Christ based on one thing. You know what that one thing is, right? In John 13, 35, Jesus said, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Would our neighbors, would our lost family members, would would those we work with, would, would they know we're disciples, that we're followers of Christ because of our love for one another? And I want you to understand what this says. If we only love people in the church when they act, when they, when they act lovely, that would not impress the world because everybody loves people when they're acting nice. But when we love others in the body, when they disappoint us and hurt us, then people are drawn in saying, how can people love like this? And you know how we can love like this, right? I mean, we love because he first loved us because he loved us. We love one another, right? Um, What is our purpose on earth? We're here to bear fruit, to bear the fruit of the Spirit and show people what it it looks like when the gospel changes people. What are we here for? We're here to share the gospel so that the gospel can increase in numbers, right? And isn't that why we've been given the Holy Spirit as well, isn't it? Oh, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. You know what's so special about the New Testament? You see, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only fell on a few. But in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit fell on all of us. You know why? Because he wants all of us to be witnesses of Christ. I mean, last year, 21 people won someone to faith in Christ. What if that was double this year? That would be 42, right? What if it was triple? That would be... 62. Wouldn't you like to be one of them? 
Wouldn't you like to say, Holy Spirit, help me to win one person this year. Help me to win one person. You can, you know. You've been given the Holy Spirit. When we get Jesus, we get it all. We get an identity, Christian, disciple, right? We get a community to belong to. We get a purpose to bear fruit, to let the, Holy, to let the gospel change us, and for us to share the gospel and see others one to Christ too. You know what else we get? We get hope. We get hope. Where am I going? I mean, don't we live in a culture of constant bad news? Aren't we around people so despairing? Don't you hear people say, listen, things are so hopeless. In the midst of this culture, we can really stand out as a people of hope. And where does that hope come from? It comes from the gospel, right? Verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth. Do you know what robs people of hope? Their past, right? And their present and their future. But listen, when Jesus moves in, we're forgiven our past, right? So our failures are not fatal. We're forgiven, right? So we're a people of hope. And listen, what robs people of hope is the futility of the present, but Jesus brings purpose into our life, right? He gives us a purpose big enough to get up each day excited about our life. And what robs people of hope? The future. They think they have nothing to look forward to, but as Christians, we believe the best is yet to come, right? So when we get Jesus, we get hope, right? Listen, we understand that our failures are not fatal, we're forgiven, and our lives are not futile, we have a purpose, and our death is not fatal, final, right? Oh, man, we get identity, we get community, we, we get a purpose, we get hope, and we get truth. Man, we get truth. I, I love truth, don't you? I mean, we live in a culture where we hear so many things, and I just say, won't someone tell me the truth? Verse 5. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. Listen, the word of truth is the gospel. The gospel is true, which has come to you just as in all the world also. It is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. The gospel is good news. It's not a good moral philosophy. It's good news about a real person, Jesus, who really lived, who really died, who really rose, who really ascended into heaven, and really moves into the hearts of those who receive him as Savior and Lord. And when he moves into their lives, he transforms them. And when he moves in, he works through them to transform others. Listen, the gospel is not true because it works. No, the gospel works because it's true. So Paul is telling us, listen, the gospel is good news. Jesus seeks and saves the lost. And when we get Jesus, we get it all. That Jesus plus nothing equals everything. We get forgiveness. We get to do life in eternity with Jesus. We get an identity and a community. We get a purpose and hope and truth. So let's turn a corner now. Let's turn a corner now and let's take all that we've learned and, and let me give you an action step for this week, okay? An action step. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to enjoy. Uh, don't you like to enjoy things? I want you to enjoy the gospel every day. I want you to enjoy the gospel every day this week. It's good news. Enjoy it. I mean, listen, quit listening to the news so much that's constant bad news and enjoy the good news. Enjoy the good news. And I think we can learn from Paul two ways to enjoy the good news. One is to thank Jesus for the good news, and the other is to share the good news. The two ways we can enjoy the gospel daily this week is we can thank him and we can share him. Listen, you'll never believe who I have breakfast with every day. 
you, you'll, you'll never believe it. Uh, you, you, won't. you know who I have breakfast with every day? I have breakfast with Jesus. I mean, is that amazing? Again, my favorite verse, listen to this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Every morning I get up and I get to spend time with Jesus. And when I look at him, you know what I do? I thank him. Thank you. Thank you for seeking and saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you that I get to do life and eternity with me. Thank you that you're my identity. Thank you for a community. Thank you for a purpose. Thank you for giving me a purpose so big I wake up every day of my life excited about it. Thank you for hope that the best is yet to come. Thank you for truth. Thank you for truth. And you know what happens? When I'm overwhelmed with it, I want to go and share him. I want to tell everyone how amazing Jesus is. Don't you? So this week, thank Jesus, won't you? Because when you get him, you get it all. And then, and then go and share with others. Let me ask you, who are you thinking about now? Who do you know that really needs to hear what we've learned today? Won't you go and share with them this week, won't you? I mean, listen, this week when you're having a conversation with someone and they say, listen, our country's so broken, so broken, share with them what you've learned. You can do it. You've been taught. You've been given the Holy Spirit. When they say our country's broken, say, hey, that's right. What do you think the problem is? What do you think the solution is? And then say, hey, you know what we learned in church on Sunday? We learned that Jesus seeks and saves the lost. The problem is we have a problem called sin. And the solution is the Savior. Wouldn't you like to know him? This week, when you're with someone and they're sharing with you their struggles, man, I'm really struggling with alcohol or struggling with my anger or struggling with finances, say, hey, could I share with you what we learned in church on Sunday? You know what we learned in church on Sunday? We learned that Jesus seeks and saves the lost. Jesus is the one you need more than anything. You can do it. Or how about this week? This week, maybe you're having a conversation with someone and, and they just say, listen, there's got to be more lot to life than this. You know, I always wanted to get married and have a job and have some kids and I have that, but something's missing from our lives. Listen, won't you share with them what you learned? Remember, hey, you know what we learned in church on Sunday? We learn that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And we also learn the reverse of that. And that is that if we have everything the world offers us minus Jesus, you know what? It, it's nothing. The only one who can fill that emptiness in your heart is Jesus. Wouldn't you like to know him? Do you know what I find? The more that I thank Jesus, the more that I thank him, the more that I thank him for all that I get with him, the more opportunities that I have to share him with others because I find that Jesus just comes into every conversation that every conversation eventually leads to him. Doesn't that happen with you? You know what I long for us to be? I long for us to be oranges. Oranges. You say, why? Because what happens? What happens when you squeeze an orange? What happens? What, what comes out? Orange juice. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great that when we squeeze that Jesus comes out? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great that the gospel comes out? You know how that would happen? It happens when we enjoy the gospel daily. We thank him and then we share him. Won't you do that this week? Won't you enjoy the gospel daily? Won't you thank him and won't you share him? Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that you came to seek and save the lost when we were lost. You came for us, thank you. Thank you for living and dying and rising so that we could have eternal life. Listen, if, 
If the thought of being forgiven and doing life with Jesus in eternity sounds good to you and you've never received him, won't you? He's here. Won't you tell him, Jesus, I've, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come into my life and be my savior. And forgive me of all my sins and, and give me the gift of eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, way to go. Won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. And Jesus, I pray for every one of us who's received you that we would realize that when we have you moving into us, we get it all. We get it all. Lord, help us to leave rejoicing that, that we are forgiven and that we get to do life and eternity with you. Help us to leave here rejoicing. We have an identity and a community and a, and a purpose and a hope and truth in you. Lord, help us this week to enjoy the gospel every day. And as we thank you, Lord, may we all have opportunities to share you with others. Because there's one thing that's true of everyone in this room and everyone in our community, every one of us needs Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.